Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. The January 21st edition of the PFF Forecast Super Bowl week is upon us. We're going to do a quick recap of the games from yesterday. Talk a little bit about the teams that are going home. Then we're going to move on to the Super Bowl. We've got some props. We're going to talk about the actual game and, of course, the halftime show. Let's rock. I'm sorry for your loss. I apologize. It was tough. No one. You hate to see that happen to the good people of Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, I thought you were talking about New Orleans minus three. <laughs> I tried to forget that that happened. That was unfortunate. I don't understand how you can be such a great offense, settle for field goals <laughs> on those first two drives, and then uh, you probably really after that they sort of deserve not to cover, but they were certainly the right side, and uh, that penalty was atrocious, just terrible. Well, especially when the other coach just like gift wraps you a yep. terrible idea near the end of the game um you know you almost i don't know and then i thought when they won the coin toss i thought it was going to be a wrap you know that first drive of the second half for the saints when they basically just surgically gave the ball to camara in the passing game uh that i thought that that would have been something that they could sort of replicate in overtime but uh you know drew Brees was under more pressure than i think he's used to and his arm strength isn't quite – even the Ted Ginn deep ball like probably should have been intercepted. Uh, it was a brilliant play by Ginn, I think. and you know, So it's just weird. It was a weird game. Uh, I think we're still probably on the right side and saying New Orleans is a stronger team, uh, but ultimately that's not always how it works out. Yeah, I was asking uh, a good buddy, Terry McCauley, former Super Bowl referee, about that uh, missed DPI call, and I was like, is there any – any conceivable way that you can understand how that call was missed. And he just flat out said no. In his mind, it is the reason that that call was not made is that in the playoffs, they want to let the players play. Which is the fans' fault, right? Which is ridiculous. We have to have some level of consistency here. I, I don't understand how you can possibly miss that, especially given that this is supposed to be, these are supposed to be the best refs mm-hmm. of the season, right? Making these. So there were a couple of really big plays in this game. I think maybe that's the best way to sort of talk through some of this. Um, some missed opportunities for the Saints, right? The Michael Thomas uh, underthrow there. He clearly had him beat on the left side of the, of the end zone. The interesting thing about that is Drew Brees throwing outside the numbers to the left one for five really not great yeah. really not 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 what you want to With see the tight end dropping the the pass in the middle of the end zone the, um there's that one i think clearly both both teams that lost on sunday one and, and they talked to you know uh, michael lombardi's book talked about this with respect to belichick the the most important four minutes of the game are the four minutes before halftime and both teams lost and the margin of victory was less than the touchdown they gave up at the end of the first half. I think the Rams were playing a really bad game, had only three points until mm-hmm. that last drive. Josh Reynolds gets open a few times. Like It's just weird stuff like that happens at the end of the first half. With the Chiefs, it sort of made no sense in their game either, where it was like they let the they let the you know them run a play, some time drill off, then it gets to this like second down, and then they call a timeout. It's like, yep. well, either you hope that the other team just plays – drains the clock to zero or you call timeouts from down one you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. just not having a plan at the end of the half and i think it, it bared out there both times you know that that end of the first half was crucial i think it, it really got the rams going a little bit and then despite that saints held them to a three and out at the end of the, at the start of the third quarter got their touchdown went up 10 
Things were looking okay. I, I thought the Saints' defense played well uh, yesterday, more or less. They, they did play well. Unfortunately, Goff played better, and that really seemed to be the story. His ability to make some things happen that we normally don't see you know, outside of the pocket. Mm-hmm. The, those couple of plays in the second half where the Saints brought pressure, got pressure, and he was able to handle it. 9.1 yards per attempt when he was pressured. That's normally not something we see from Goff. Just sacked once. Um, under you know When he's kept clean, he's always been very good, and he was in this game. Yeah. Uh, but it was his ability to make some of those out-of-structure plays that you can't really count on. And I think we'll talk about this when we get to the Super Bowl, but it's an interesting way of handicapping it. The fourth down decision by McVay is interesting because it got crushed in the moment. So... For people that forget the the situation, down 20 to 17 at the one, five minutes, a little over five minutes to go. It's fourth and one, and you're the Rams. You're not the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, You have C.J. Anderson, who weighs 460 pounds, and an offensive line whose specialty is running the ball. They're the number one run-blocking unit in the NFL, plus you have a quarterback who you know, you could probably sneak if you needed to. And they decide to kick the field goal to tie the game to give the ball back to the Saints. Basically saying, we're gonna we're gonna let this drive not matter because you give the ball back to the Saints there and they are you'd expect them to score points, yeah. right? And so it just made zero zero sense. The math completely backs that up. Just the decision uh, to kick instead of the decision to go cost them about eight percentage points. Were they to score, they would have been 63% to win versus kicking a field goal, which just got you to 40. So just a a really massive um, mistake by McVeigh, which is interesting because it will not be remembered as it should be because they won. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and we're we're never going to you know that, and and the other thing, and we've been talking about this, you know, for weeks. The Seahawks, for example, the Cowboys. When you win despite poor decisions, it reinforces oftentimes that decision making process. And mm-hmm. you know, even like you look at Twitter, and people are like, you know, people like you, Brian Burke, people like putting out the win probability stuff, and people tweeting at them saying, "Oh, this didn't age well." You know that you know it worked out for them. Blah blah blah. And I think as long as we have that kind of uh, view of the game that process doesn't matter results are the only thing that matter um, it, we're going to continue to bump up against these issues one of the things that I thought was interesting and it, and it sort of comes back towards the McVay, McVay thing as well the fake punt hmm. anytime you play the Rams and you're not ready for a fake punt I'm, that's, mal, that's malpractice I think right Cause th- and it gets back to the McVay thing Throwing that fake punt is gutsy. It's not having your offense try to convert a fourth down is, is, is actually the gutsy move. And so you're willing to do that in your own end. Down, you know, right. They were down at the time 13 nothing. I don't, I don't understand a worldview that takes that approach but then doesn't go for it on fourth down in yeah. the situation that beckons. Um, you know, we saw with Kansas City you know, with, with their not going for it on fourth down deep in their end. To me, I think like... For one, the Saints should have been ready for that fake punt. Anytime you have somebody who's not a team starting quarterback throwing a ball, it's only your fault for not being ready for it, in my opinion. And then why, you know, the inconsistency. Like, Reed went for fourth and one multiple times on his own end. One time in Denver, I think one time in in New England even. But not doing it down seven in a game where you've been outplayed the whole time. You're lucky to be only down seven. Uh, it's It's tough. I would... You know, then that's I think what's so refreshing about a guy like about a guy like uh, Peterson in Philadelphia is he literally makes that right decision almost every single time. Um, whereas others, it just seems spotty with respect to when they're bold. It it kills me because I'm the biggest Sean McVay believer. I think what he has done yeah. for that team is so great, and, and it I, a lot of people I think will list his aggressiveness high among the pros for Sean McVay. Like, well, well, what has he done? Well, wow. that's actually not true. He's right? made them more aggressive. And that's not it at all. The big things that he has done is turn around a culture for an organization that had no belief, had no accountability, had no system that people could mm-hmm. believe in. And that is flipped completely. That's the biggest thing. Second thing, obviously, the communication with the quarterback. He and the quarterback are on the same page. 
Jared Goff went from worst quarterback season we've ever seen to a top five quarterback. And, um, you know, that offense went from worst in the league to best. That's all well known. The aggressiveness has been played up because of a few smart decisions that most people don't make. So there was the going for fourth down in the first half uh, inside the 10-yard line. No one has ever done that before, right, right. in a playoff game. It's like, oh, my God. There was the play in Seattle, right? And Where he was talked into it by his quarterback. Talked into a- it by Goff. And those two, are you're going to remember them because they worked, and so people will use them. But it's the decisions you decide not when you don't take that opportunity that really kill you. So it'll be interesting to see in this game, uh, you know, a couple weeks from now, because, um, you know, Bill missed an opportunity to, to go for it as well. And they ended up winning. So going into the week, you know, and going in every week, we do this decision analysis and, you know, when it's positive expected value to go for it, than it is to punt or kick field goals. We look at how teams have done. And going into the week, no team had sacrificed more expected points electing not to go for it uh, than the Rams. Now, there's a couple things to that, right? We saw, I believe it was the game against the Chargers, but especially their game against Seattle, where they did kick field goals at the one-yard line. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge swing, right? Because an ex- the expected value or the, the expected points being at the one is something like five or six. You elect to kick a three. Those are full points that you're leaving on the table. A- and it, it showed up there. Now, the interesting thing when you look forward to next week or you know, two weeks from now is New England's on the lower end of doing that as well. They, Belichick is known for being a, you know, having that progressiveness from his time going for it in 09 against Indianapolis. But they have actually gotten progressively less uh, – going for it natured you don't uh, you don't want to say aggressive yeah they've gotten less smart on fourth down uh, yeah it's it, i mean and and to their credit i guess or to the you know to maybe variance's sake they ha- it hasn't cost them as many points this year as it has the rams um but it's certainly something to think about it, you know maybe it's the it's the uh it's the team that decides to go against their own grain Next, uh, two weeks from now, that ends up uh, deciding it. But you know, it was a really interesting week for the decision-making processes and what got reinforced uh, at, at the NFL level this week. Okay, let's close out the the Saints Rams one with this. Drew Brees was not very good throwing the ball ten or more yards downfield. It was sort of glaring. Um, is this it? He, he was very close to being the MVP. He was the MVP through a sizable chunk of the season. Um, their supporting cast has a couple of big-name players in Kamara and Thomas, but other than that, yeah. he's pretty void of talent. Um, what do you think? It's interesting, right, because they have – you know, they gave up their first-round pick for Marcus Davenport, and he had had, he had had his moments – um, but not it's not great, right? And and you know they were clearly going for the Super Bowl this year. They were our odds-on favorite up until this week, so they clearly were a strong team. Um, but you look at sort of their their situation, and obviously Breeze is the big one, right? They have to pay him a premium. It's not going to strap them for the future because you know he's only on two-year deals basically. But you got some guys with some highest salaries that didn't even produce for their team this year. You know, Kirk Coleman, Cameron Meredith, Patrick Robinson. You know, they're guys that have. And so they're not exactly the most well-constructed team in the world. Sheldon Rankins just tore his Achilles, you know, so they had, they have about 4 million even in dead money. I don't actually know where the distribution is that on the NFL level, but um, you know, it's, so it's, it's, it's interesting. They're, they play in what we think is a tough division because we think highly of the Falcons. I think Carolina will probably rebound Tampa Bay as a good coach now and a quarterback that I think can catch some variance and be good. The NFC should be tougher next year than it was this year. So the question becomes, you know, if they could, if they can't win it all this year with home field advantage and, you know, a quarterback discrepancy that we thought was pretty big in the NFC championship game, what are they going to do uh, when maybe they don't catch as many breaks next year? Has anyone experienced more heartbreak, and this can be like all sports, over the past 10 years than the Saints have in these past two I would think the Texas Rangers that that those two years where they were an out away from winning the World Series in Game Six yeah. and then lost both those games and lost Game Seven consecutive years, pretty close. I would say that that's probably. I mean, there wasn't bad luck so much in either one of those. It's just getting beat, but you were so close. Uh, I mean, the the miracle in yeah. many 
and then this missed call. Yeah. Missed call was horrible. The funny thing about that was it wasn't – it <clears throat> seemed as if Coleman had just turned his head around. It would have been a pick six. Yeah, it was a terrible decision by Breeze. Just a horrible decision. They get bailed out of it. Uh, but regardless, I mean, you well, have we, to call that. And and from the, you know, from the sports betting perspective, we don't know if – they would have gone on and scored a touchdown on that. We don't actually. We, the Rams are, the Rams at times are smart, right? So would they have just let this let the Saints score a touchdown there? I think that would have probably been the smart move. Would the Saints have been smart enough not to score the touchdown and play mm-hmm. for the field goal? I mean, I don't necessarily think it's like a slam dunk that the Saints win that game in that spot, but it certainly increases their probability Makes their by, chances by a, heck a, of a lot uh, you know by a country mile. So I don't know that. Again, we have had a tough season in terms of luck on our picks, and this is just personifies all of it, you know, in one game. Yeah, I mean, the Saints uh, were the right pick, and it seemed to be the right pick for the vast majority of the game until that that call happened. You had to feel good about it. But, you know, this is why sports are fun to watch. That's right. Next game, the Chiefs came out and just sucked. They stunk. They were terrible. Yep. And this is the second time this has happened against the Patriots. Obviously, the first time was in New England. It was the first time that Mahomes was on this really big stage. And so everyone kind of said, okay, he got it out of his system. That was one of the things that you said over and over again. Look, he's had, you know, he's gotten it out of his system. They've had these issues, but they've learned from them. What was the biggest contributor then in this game to them all of a sudden showing? I have an idea, but what was the biggest contributor in your mind to them just being terrible? I think, I mean, pressure on Mahomes is a big deal, right? So he's pressured on half his dropbacks. Um, I, I think, you know, it's, we don't want to, you know, say it was the Patriots controlling the game, you know, with the run game and drilling off the clock and everything. Like, I don't, you know, the fact that they had three plays and negative yards in the first quarter was basically like they went out there in their first drive and stunk it up in three plays. Right. So I, you know, so a lot of it I think is somewhat noise. Um, but if, if I'm Reed, I got to think, okay, Mahomes is still a young quarterback. What did they used to do for Brett Favre when he was young? They used to get him easy throws. They used to get him easy completions on the first, you know, and, and it looked like, you know, they just played it kind of straight up on the first drive. And when you have a, I, I wouldn't call Mahomes high variance, but he has some high variance to him. You know, not not scheming at least one first downable play on that first drive, uh, it, it, to me was 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 tough. So, but then how do you explain the second quarter? They get down, they drive, they get a big play. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill's only catch forty two yards, and then they just stink it up in the red zone. Mahomes overthrows Williams. Uh, he gets a sack. They get out of field goal range. That field goal would have been big, by the way. Um, and you know, it, it doesn't end well for the Chiefs there. So. I don't know. What do you think? I'm putting it on on Andy Reid, and I have been a huge Andy Reid proponent. I think he is the best coach in terms of developing plays, and it shows up, right? Brilliant in our coaching metric this year. But you've got to still be able to do that against the Patriots. The flip side of that is that the Patriots managed to come out with a great scheme Mm -hmm. against these other teams, right? So the Chiefs, the Patriots do not have an incredible pass rush, right? Mm-hmm. And they manage to get pressure left and right just doing these stunts, you know, with, with four rushers. And it worked all game long. There was no, the Chiefs were not nimble enough. They did not have enough preparation to go in and say on this first drive, regardless of what the Patriots do, the Patriots are good, but they should not be able to just completely shut you and lock you down. No way. Um, to me, that was that, that falls on Andy Reid um, because it was, it was so weird to watch that, yeah. first, that first half. Yeah, and so if you think about what happened in this game, the Chiefs were outgained 524 to 290 off an offense, right? So on one side of the coin, you say New England dominated this game, and, and the Chiefs were just the Chiefs were lucky to have a four point lead going with two minutes left in the game. Oh, very I, much. There I, were a couple you know, of the Reggie Ragland interception in the end zone, the Daniel Sorensen interception yep. uh, on a tip pass. There were a couple of OPI non calls on their touchdowns. The, the Damian Williams touchdown should have been an offensive pass interference. Um, 
you know, you get all of that. And at the same time, you look at this, if you're a Chiefs fan and you look at this game, it was a ton of missed opportunities. You had the missed opportunity in the red zone with the Damian Williams play, getting sacked out of field goal range. You had the missed opportunity when, with two minutes left in the first half, the f- first couple plays, New England looks like they're just trying to run out the clock. And so you let them for a minute, and then you call a timeout on third down. You can't get off the field on third down. That was indicative of the entire game, by the way. And then Patriots go down and score a touchdown to Philip Freakendor set, right? And so that's an issue as well. And then in the second half, you know, you have, I don't know, you just, you have missed opportunities in terms of the interception by Trevarius Ward that got called back from a, you know. So it's, it's a really interesting game because I think if you play this game out in New England, New England's fundamentals are the same. This game's probably a two-score game in New England's favor. And yet, as a Chiefs fan, you could look at it and say, God, we had the opportunity to win, you know? And, and, and so it's really frustrating, I think, uh, from that perspective. Chiefs, obviously, when we look forward to next year, I mean, you have to figure out how to cover, right? We've been talking about this. We've been chided, derided, all the kind of stuff for saying coverage matters more than pass rush. We look at this game. And the Chiefs have three of the best pass rushers in the NFL. The combination of Chris Jones, uh, Justin Houston, and D. Ford, probably better than any in the league. And we look at Tom Brady, 2.23 times to throw. Patriots, 13 of 19 on third downs, including, like, what, 5 for 5 on the, on the last two drives or 6 for 6 on the last two drives. You need to be able to cover and you know Eric Berry coming off an injury was not able to cover Gronk. Kendall Fuller was not able to co- cover Julian Edelman. When the Chiefs go back to the drawing board, they need to acquire talent in the secondary. And we told them they had to last year. They got toughness in the draft instead of talent at the cornerback position. And it really, when a team is as brilliant as the Patriots, you know they they find a way around that pass rush, and they did it this week. Yeah, the third down variance was interesting because you you know sort of bemoaned that well you know the patriots are just so incredible on on third down and that's you know variance right that the patriots on third down seven and a half yards per play i mean it's just ridiculous, ridiculous. right I mean, the other three teams in the conference championship were all five five or five I mean, six there was a time in the there was a time on the overtime drive where brady was four for nine throwing on the drive but he was three for three on third down so it's like they were getting some incompletions. They were kind of moving Brady, although Brady was only pressured six times all night. They were kind of making Brady at least move a little bit. So I actually think the Chiefs covered in the secondary probably better than they normally do. And it's just the problem is when you have to cover on three consecutive pass plays, a quarterback like Tom Brady is going to get you every time. And you know ultimately, their pass rush didn't end up mattering. And, and the Patriots sort of inexplicably decided to run a ton on first and second down. It actually yeah. wasn't. That, that's being covered up by the fact that they were brilliant on third down. What it seemed to me, though, was that the Patriots were kind of just saying, okay, let's try and pick up a first down without running a play that we know will work. And if not, we'll, ha- we'll run this play that we know will work. Because that seemed to be what they did yeah. on all of those third downs. They were able to get Edelman, those free releases. They were just running all over the middle of the field. It was sort of, it was almost comical because you kind of knew what was going to happen. And like just nothing ever changed from the Chiefs' perspective. There wasn't a whole lot of, you know, oh, I'm, I'm Tom Brady. I'm going to throw, you know, outside the numbers deep a whole lot. There are a couple to, um, you know, to Gronk there, but a lot of the damage done over the middle of the field and on those in-breaking routes. So, so here's the question. If you're the, the, the New England Patriots and you're going up against the Rams in two weeks, you take a completely different approach to, to the game, right? Because it's clear that they, were, they wanted Mahomes off the field as much as possible. 31 pass attempts for Mahomes, very indicative of the fact that they just simply didn't have the ball as much. I, time of possession was 20.53. I mean, it's just out, outrageous. When you're facing the Rams, what do you, what do you try to do? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you try to run the ball down their throat like they did the last two weeks. What I think you try to do is play offense straight up, right? Yeah, it was interesting. The, in my mind, the reason that they ran the ball so much was that they, the Chiefs were just that bad. Yeah at stopping the run and so they figured they could get a bunch of these free plays keep themselves well rested 
um, not you know not put Brady in in a lot of situations. You know, basically limit the number of reps that he had to take yeah. and still be productive on offense. Um, and I agree with you. I don't think they do that. Though the Rams' weakness is Running, r- run defense. Run defense. And so it'll be interesting to see if that's one of the things they try and do to yeah. combat Aaron Donald. Because you know with two weeks, they are going to have a really interesting... You know, I don't know what it will be. It'll probably be something very simple and elegant. But I would anticipate them doing a very good job against Aaron Donald... That would worry me a little bit. Rams run defense not quite as bad if you if you look at early downs and neutral situations. A lot of their stuff was, you know, kind of inflated, so it's good to look at that. But I do agree that that is their weakness, especially now that you have Tlaib back. Uh, you know, it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You bring up the Chiefs run defense. That is, I think, the most the most disappointing thing if you're a Chiefs fan is that they went out of their way. They drafted Breland Speaks in the in the second round, moved up to get him. They drafted Derek Nottie as a H- nose tackle. Hitchens, Raglan. Hitchens was a free agent signing who would cost them more money to cut than keep at this point. So they probably they have to go with him next year. Raglan was a trade last year. Uh, and and Kendall Fuller, the one guy that they actually went out and got in the secondary is a nickel guy, kind of an inside player. So they're very much invested in the middle of the defense and they still stunk against the run and to the degree that they went won 12 games and made it to the AFC title game it doesn't matter that much right but in the biggest stage you can't count on the thing that you invested in uh, at least on the defensive side the most uh, this offseason yep that's uh they just have to cover they have to cover. you have to learn how to and and learn yeah go teach them uh okay if Let's uh let's do a Chiefs fan. I'll ask you this. Next year. You're pretty bullish, I'd assume. Yeah, I mean the the issue is is, you know, you just never know if um you never know if if variance is going to hit Mahomes. You never know if reg- if regression is regression stronger than uh development, right? Cuz obviously he's going to develop some, but we've seen second year quarterbacks. So like Carson Wentz, for example, his development was good, positive. His yeah. grades were great. But as an output, they regressed because of variance. And, and so is Mahomes, going to, is Mahomes going to outpace the variance that's inevitably going to hit? I like, and we talked about this on the show a few times, I like what Sammy Watkins brings to that offense when he's healthy. Tyreek Hill is a contract that they're going to have to consider in the offseason. They, they don't have a ton of cap they're not strapped but they don't have a ton of cap space they have to know what to do with d ford um i'll be really interested to see how they commit to to shoring up their defense um because i don't know i think part of me just hopes they franchise tag d ford and push off that decision for another year and really work on you know the the secondary because i think if they sign ford to a mega deal it's going to really hurt them yeah uh, that'd be stupid in the in the future here here is my thought as an outsider as an impartial fan uh, mahomes has some things some easy wins that he can improve on he took four sacks in that game they yeah. were awful sacks and he, he, he's one of those guys that lives on the edge he takes a ton of hits makes a ton of great throws while getting hit all this but I think we saw when you push that too far, when you think you can always make that play, it can result in, in things like this. He was actually one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the NFL this season behind Andrew Luck, I think. He was, I think he was second. But this game, it totally flipped. Yeah. Reared its ugly head and it cost him points. You can't do that. I think that's one thing that he can get better at. The second thing is just being more familiar with the offense, having more control over it. The first time the Patriots came out with a zero, cover zero blitz in the second half, they hadn't done it in the first half, it looked like he'd never seen it before. This was one of the main things they'd used against him, and he just he didn't have an answer for it. He didn't audible out of a play that was trying to be this long developing play, and it didn't work, and you can't have those mental errors against the New England Patriots. So I do think he can get better. I think they can be just as good next year, pending their coverage is not. A total disaster. Okay. We're on to the Super Bowl. So the Patriots opened immediately uh, as an underdog. The Rams were favored by one the second the game ended. And within 30 seconds, it had flipped. The Patriots were the favorite. The Patriots are now the favorite. Uh, Two 
to two and a half, depending on where you look. I think it probably could go to three, three and a half. The love for the Patriots will be quick, given their dismantling on the road of a great team. Um, they, they would left some points on the on the field, obviously, in that game. Um, and I think the Rams, as you know, impressive as it was for them to win, the focus in that game is going to be on the missed call. A lot of people saying, "Well, you know, the Saints got totally robbed." So, you can see the Patriots getting out to being a three point favorite. You think that's right? It's interesting, <laughs> excuse me, because when we, you know, when we've done previous Super Bowl odds pieces, right, it was always there's a tiny bit of value on the Patriots. There's a tiny bit of value on the Patriots, and then a couple weeks ago, it kind of got absurd because they were plus six twenty five going into the playoffs. There was a little bit of value on the Patriots, and then we see how markets work, and and you get, and there probably would have been value on the Patriots had they been dogs, right? Because we have them at somewhere like minus one thirty two. If this thing gets out to three, I think you have a significant case to make for the Rams um, just because, you know, they're explosive on offense. Sean McVay is, you know, a really good play for play caller. Their defense, I think, has more talent than the Patriots defense has. And you're on that fast track in Atlanta. You know, we've seen some money actually come in on the under in this game. It's about 57 and a half at this point. It opened at 59. Um, The Rams, you know, they're they're very simple. You know, in terms of offensively, they do only a few things. But I just think from a pretty numeric perspective, at three, I think that there's value on the Rams. The tough thing is, and we talked about this a little bit already, but what the Patriots do is is always different week to week, right? So you can't yeah. – what the Rams have based so much off of is knowing what the other team is going to do defensively, and they put together a game plan – Jared Goff knows what's going to happen, and he's able to execute. And with the Patriots, you sort of have no idea, right? They're the only team in the NFL that runs man over 50% of the time. They're going to have some sort of unique coverage yep. to handle, uh, for you to handle. You don't really know who they're going to take away, what they're going to—I guess the Chiefs sort of had to know they were going to double Tyreek Hill, but mm-hmm. um, you're never quite sure. They, they put in exotic stuff. They're the only team— to have 50 or more defensive snaps rubbing, running cover zero, right? We saw that um, work against the Chiefs a couple of times this season. Uh, you've got a great player in Stephon Gilmore who is very versatile, and they're able to scheme pressure out of nowhere, it seems. No talent, except for uh, Trey Flowers. So it, it's just it's hard for me to have a ton of faith in Jared Goff, despite how great he was against the Saints, given how much... But we that's, know. that's the issue with pressure, right? Because yeah. that's why we say it's unstable. People have been talking to, well, Jared Goff's a special instance of this. He's otherworldly terrible under pressure. And it's like, well, yeah, but the reason it's unstable is you get situations like last, like yesterday where he's facing unblocked pressure and there just happens to be a tight end open and you can flip it to him. You know, there just happens to be a, a receiver open on the crosser here. He flips it to him for a first down. I'm assuming the Patriots will have the, those, those bases covered. Um, if you you know we we were helping Peter King with what, with his analysis for the game that's on on his weekly column. One of the things that we 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 talked about was the the Rams don't have that necessarily third complementary piece that the that the Chiefs had. When you have when you look at the New England Patriots, they only gave up one reception to Tyreek Hill, and it was kind of on a weird you know it wasn't really a in structure. They gave up three catches to Travis Kelsey and none after his touchdown. Uh, in the in the at the very beginning of the third quarter, but the Chiefs had Sammy Watkins. They had uh, they had Damian Williams. I almost said Cream Hunt. They had Damian Williams there, and those guys picked up the slack. Williams had three touchdowns. Watkins had over 110 yards receiving. When you look at the Rams, this is why I think Cooper Cup is such a big deal as a loss because Josh Reynolds, who had an okay game against the Saints. I think the I think the Patriots would l- gladly have him beat them the entire game. The two running backs are just meh, really, and so you know I think that the the Patriots would gladly let Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson beat them up all game. I think that's a big thing, right? I mean, well, I, having Todd Gurley on the field so he can fumble away third down passes into your right. defense's hands are sort of what you want. So, really, so that was, I think the Patriots' defense matches but, up extremely well here. By the way, that was the funniest part of that game was Joe Buck and Troy Aikman trying to figure out if Todd Gurley was injured 
not realizing that he had been brutally terrible on yeah. every snap he the had last, been out there. The last two months of the NFL season has been people trying to make a case for running the ball, make a case for running backs, make a case for defense, and the 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 gymnastics that one has to do um, to to not even reduce it down to oh this quarterback played better and that's why they won is is the most amazing thing in the NFL. James White being the you know James White overtaking Todd Gurley for the MVP in the running back race. Uh, was also hilarious. It was right then, and it is right now. Uh, so, but the Patriots, I think, are good enough to take away the t- the Brandon Cookses and the uh, Robert Woods, regardless of whether or not he's the goat. Uh, and, and so, I think it's going to be tough for Goff. A- well, and you've got to figure that they take the approach against the play action game that the Bears and the Eagles did, mm-hmm. which is to, to say we just do not care about you running the ball. So if you are going to fake the, the play fake, yeah. you better really have something ready to go because we're not going to let you get, have these you know long developing plays yeah. down the field. They're going to be I think they'll be super physical again with these receivers, receivers. as they were against the Chiefs as my, they were against the Colts in 2004. I mean and, it's the same thing. Yeah, and my guess is it's going to be a little easier because yeah. they don't have as much talent the Rams don't I mean, as the, the Chiefs did. Let, let's flip it onto the other side, though, because Tom Brady has been cooking dinner in the pocket. 90 I mean, like backs. a fast food dinner because it's getting out there in 2.2 yeah. seconds. Been, he's been peeling out avocados at a record rate. 90 dropbacks. He's been uh, sacked, hit, or hurried on 13 of them. Not sacked a single time. So that's under pressure, 14%. Not sacked once. I've never seen numbers that low in the playoffs in the PFF era of any quarterback with 70 or more dropbacks uh, in the playoffs. That's 14% of the time. That's ridiculous. That's unbelievable. That would be 10% better than the league leader this season. Well, the reason we thought that they couldn't get it done is because they didn't have Josh Gordon and their receivers were weak and all this kind of stuff. But if you're scheming up the stuff that, you know, that they've been scheming up, it's really just been Edelman, White, and Gronk, and Gronk only this last week. Uh, but it seems to be enough when it's pretty simple stuff, and you're and you're identifying weaknesses pre-snap, and you know they're they're getting it out quickly. My question is this: Do you think do you think the Rams can beat the Patriots if Brady is under is kept clean? No, eighty percent oh. plus of the time. And and I don't. And I think this is going to be another game in which, as much as we love Aaron Donald, and as much as we respect Dominican Sue as a player, Dante Fowler. Aaron Donald is going to get plus, I mean, in our old system, like plus seven and a half on Sunday. And it's going to be hilarious next Sunday. And it's going to be hilarious because he's going to have a ton of blocks beaten and it's not going to get any pressure because this thing's going to come out quick. And this, and, or they're going to roll away from him and he's going to win the, he's going to win the rep. And it's not, it's, you know, and we saw that. We saw that when the Chiefs played the Rams. We saw that, you know, we, we've seen that this before where Donald is going to, murder the person in front of him it's not going to matter because a brilliant offense can scheme away from pressure i think they are going to try and they're going to have so many different ways to make him work hard yeah but but actually use that against him um one of the th- really uh, they always find a simple thing to do that works how many times yesterday did they run a fake th- throw to the screen uh to the left and then hand it off to james white yeah right i mean they did this at least three times i think and it worked really well they're going to have something that they know the rams are going to kind of bite on that donald's going to bite on and they're going to take advantage of it to me the real key in this game is the Rams secondary because they are not as bad they're nowhere near yeah, as they're bad like twice as good as chief secondary maybe maybe two times two times better because they've got to they've got peters they've got roby coleman they have some safeties that can actually yeah. that have actually been playing that can do some things the one weakness i think is can they cover from the linebacker position i would expect that belichick mcdaniels well, and brady really attack unlike that. the saints the saints who have one maybe one and a half deep threats when thomas and Ginn, they had the running back out of the backfield James White, as much as I respect him, will not command the double team the way that Kamara did in the second half against the against the Rams. Uh, here's the thing, and I I was upset when the Chiefs traded Marcus Peters. I thought he was really good in that system. Marcus Peters will give up 
how many yards through the air. I mean, Tlaib is brilliant. Him. They're going to pick and on And Roby Coleman's a good nickel, and their safeties are good. Linebackers are passable. Uh, Belichick does a great job of putting the weakest parts of the team in position to fail, like he did with Anthony Hitchens against the Chiefs, and like he's going to do here with Marcus Peters. If you're the Rams, are you expecting this? How are you going to cover up for it? Yep. Because it's not like the Patriots have... I mean, Edelman's their one, but they're still balanced enough to be able to take care of Peters with the Philip Dorsett's of the world and the, the Hogan's of the world and, and, and so on and so forth. I concur. It'll, it'll be a fascinating game um, because of the, the difference in the way these two teams work offensively, yeah. right? The, the Rams so formulaic in terms of, you know, try, and they've mixed, been mixing it up recently with CJ Anderson coming in. They've been running a lot more 12 personnel. They were at like 96% 11, yeah. right? That's all they ran. And now they're more like, uh, let's see, what was it? I have it here. Um, They've been 27% 12 personnel, 68% 11 since week 16. So it has been changing a little bit, but they still do the same basic things, right? They need the play action. Um, they need that to create some clean pockets. Goff from a clean pocket, second highest grade, PFF grade per snap behind only Drew Brees. And obviously under pressure, he is nowhere near as good, but that's not. That's just something that you kind of want to throw out, right? Can he be really great on these clean pockets? Yes, can you get him enough will be the key. If he is under pressure 50% of the time, as Mahomes was, the Patriots are going to win that game. There's no doubt about it. If they get off to as slow of a start against the Patriots as they did against New England, I think it's a wrap. I think New England is – I think New England – Well, New England got unlucky to a certain extent yeah. to not have a bigger lead. And I which think is that's going to be an emphasis for well, – But that's the same thing that happened to the Saints, Right. They got off to a fast start. They scored three times, but they weren't the like. I don't think the Patriots make. I think I think the Patriots punch those in, but they didn't. Right, but it's their second chance, and I think that'll be an emphasis for them in the week. You know, and I think if they do not throw an interception (laughs) to Reggie Ragland in the end zone, or don't. I mean, it'll it'll be if you're if you're Belichick, you look at that game, the NFC Championship game, and you tell your team, look. The Saints had this Los Angeles Rams team on the ropes, and instead of being up 21-0, yep. they're up 13 nothing, and they let them back into the game, and that is something we cannot do. If Goff gets off to a slow start, we need to step on. And, and the same thing happened. Like Goff's not as good as Mahomes, but we had the Chiefs on the ropes, and we almost went into halftime only up one touchdown. There are two, two X factors that I think uh, are going to be at play here, and that's why I'm going to say where I would bet right now. So here's my, t- my two X factors. The first is making decisions on fourth down, I think is going to be massively important as it always is. And whichever team makes those is going to have it later on in the game. It's going to, to rear its ugly head, right? Can they make those correct fourth down decisions in the first half when people sort of say, ah, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of game left to go. And I, as much as I love Sean McVay, it almost seems to me like Belichick was is the side that's more likely to make those those calls. So I think that's um, do you, you think, know, feather do you in think the cap. some of their data on decision making during the regular season is part of their whole experimental phase and not indicative of their true? Yeah, maybe because I, I would not put it past them. Yeah, or does Sean McVay sort of go back, watch the tape, and learn from this past one and say, okay? We're gonna, you he know, strikes gonna me as a lifelong him. learner. I, yeah, I have full faith in Sean McVay, but I think that is one, um, it, just a, a really important area. And the second is, you have two weeks to prepare. What wrinkle, what trick play, or plays do these teams have? Yeah. Who's better prepared? Who executes them better? Where are they more timely? Again, just having seen it with the Patriots over and over again, I think that's a slight edge for the Patriots, and so I think that's why this. Two and a half, three point spread is warranted. As long as it's under three, I think the Patriots would be the side I would have to go with. Super small sample, but the the Rams' difficulties this year came after the bye. The pre the 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 game against the Chiefs mm-hmm. on Monday night was pre bye. Mm-hmm. After that, they struggled against Detroit, struggled against the Bears, struggled against the the Rams, or sorry, against the Eagles. Bill Belichick in the PFF era, off of a bye, which includes Super Bowls, has an average 
margin of victory of 10 points, even though the average spread has been about seven. So they, are, they always overperform after the buy uh, during the PFF era. I think that, that makes sense. I think that's intuitive. I think that's what you would expect. Um, so like, I think there's value on the Rams. I do. I, but I think in our, in our, in our playful bets, it's not going to be on the spread. I think it's going to be on something like the total. Okay. Which, which if you want to open up an opportunity or I do think the total is going to move a little bit. Yes. If it keeps going down, I will continue to bet the over. Uh, I, I think there'll be ton of tons of points scored. It's going to be inside. Um, it, both these quarterbacks are great. So, yeah, I think we'll see. It's so hard to bet an under in games like this because exactly what you saw in the Chiefs Patriots game yes. that was a perfect under game, setting up that way, and and of course it, it sails over after after you know a second half flurry. I think the Rams are less less capable of doing it that way. But even the the last Super Bowl the Patriots won, it was an under game. By a mile, it was a 60-point over-under. First quarter had no scoring, and then yep. one team gets out ahead. The other team comes back. You know, you can never really count out the over in, when two good teams play indoors, for example. Well, yeah, it's, 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 there's nothing to lose in this game, right? So you're seeing everything come out. You see maybe um, a defensive touchdown, which we saw in the last Patriots Super Bowl win against the Falcons. Uh, I, I think the over is a great bet. Uh, if you have to pick against the spread right now, it's at two. You're going to take the Rams? If I have to, I would probably go with the Rams. I think there's another factor, which is, and I think this played against the Chiefs, it is so hard for a young team to grasp how fleeting these moments can be. The Patriots have been there over and over and over again. But I think there's a pretty good chance that if Brady wins this one, he retires. He retires. I think there's a chance. Um, I think there's a chance Belichick does the same thing. I think Gronk is done. He is so done. But so even if even if those guys aren't retiring, I think there's a certain finality to yeah. it. I think you mentioned this earlier this week, where they are playing for each other in a way that I'm not sure the Rams are. I'm not sure the Chiefs were because they should be there five more times. Well, over did you the course see? Of their did you career. see what Andy Reid said in his press conference? He's like, you know, today's a sad day. But I'm so excited for our future. And that, while I agree with him, that, it, that scares says the, it, all. it scares the shit out of me every time I hear – because the, the 98 Vikings were like that with Moss and yep. Carter. And, and, and they never – they got back to the a- NFC Championship game once. The, but when you're the Patriots, the difference is – and you could see Brady throw off his helmet. He's, he's excited. He didn't act like he's been there before. Because I think when you've lost the Super Bowl – when you just last year, but multiple times, when you've won the Super Bowl multiple times, you and you've lost even in the AFC title game. They lost an, an eighteen point lead to the Colts. They've lost to Denver twice. They had to watch Denver win the yeah. Super Bowl once. When you when and then all their Super Bowls have been close. When you've seen the spectrum, the distribution of emotions that occur in that situation, you, I think you prize every sort of the every situation more. And I do agree with you in that sense. Whereas with you, the Rams, you're like, God, our quarterback's young, our, our coach is young, uh, you know, our MVP running back is, you know, doesn't look young anymore, but he's still chronologically young. You, you, you just don't get it, right? And I, I do think that that adds to it. Interesting that the Eagles, you know, the Eagles were able to overcome that last year, but sure. you know, a team like the Falcons was not able to. The Eagles also got one of the greatest quarterback performances we've ever seen. If Jared Goff has one of the greatest quarterback performances we've ever seen. They will win as well. Another couple of uh, things that I think play on the side of the Patriots, it being in Atlanta, where the players play. And they ride on them things. Every day. (laughs) The Patriots are going to have way, way stronger fan support. I I think there's no way that the Patriots don't travel way better. Um, You're not going to convince that many people to go from L.A. to Atlanta. Trust me. The Rams don't have that many fans to begin with. Trust me. You aren't convincing a whole lot of people to go from avocado toast on the beach all the way to Atlanta to watch the Rams Where it's actually not that nice out this time of year. Ain't happening. People from New England, they're already on the way to Atlanta. The second thing is it's just as much as I love Sean McVay, it is going to be a learning experience for him. He has not been in this situation before. This is their first deep playoff run. So as much as I think if I had to pick one coach to learn well on the fly, I would pick him 10 times out of 10, 100 times out of 10. 
Belichick and that group having done this every freaking year, it's just going to be so much easier for them to prepare because they don't have to learn all of these things along the way. If it is under three, I'm taking the Patriots. I'm taking the over. Props. Let's run through some props before we get out of here. Yeah, let's do it. So you have co- some props that you like. Give us the first. A one. couple of them that I like, and they're unders. And I know that it's not the, the public side is to bet is to bet overs. A couple unders I like here. Um, I like the Sony Michelle under point five receptions at plus one thirty five. So here's my thing. I would have never thought that you would have given me a running back and an under. So, so Sony Michelle had what like six catches during the regular season. Mm-hmm. So like obviously you can't extrapolate those probabilities because they're too small. But like you're basically telling me if you gave me even odds on this, I would still take the under. But you're giving me plus money to do it. There is obviously you know the when when we saw Atlanta play New England in the Super Bowl two years ago, we were like, oh, this is a blunt game. This is a Garrett Blunt game, mm-hmm. and of course they tried that for like a quarter. He fumbled. They get behind. They got to make it a James White game. There are so many situations I think where Michelle doesn't even get a target here. I, th- I like the under there. I also like the exact same bet for C.J. Anderson <laughs> plus one ten. I. It's we, great. You, you talk about you talk about. Con- trying to convince yourself of things. Fox crew trying to convince himself of Gurley, the entire football community trying to convince themselves of the run game, complimentary football, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I still believe in it. Sean McVay I, is going to really try to... Con- for the Chicago Bears to win the Super Sean Bowl. McVay is extremely smart, but he there's always going to be a little bit of him that's going to try to justify the, the Gurley love and the Gurley... So I, I think there's a legitimate chance that him. Gurley plays 75% of the snaps on, during the Super Bowl. And so Anderson doesn't even back. get a target. You take that back. Sean McVay will never jeopardize his team's chance of winning. He pulled Todd Gurley in this game against the Saints. You spell redemption. T-O-D-D. All right. So, so I think it's just sheer. And then a couple. I like a okay, few overs. Give me a chance here. Let's, okay. Let's toss it back and forth. I have a couple that I like as well. Uh, the, the first scoring and two score props are a couple that I enjoy. Uh, because you can find some great odds. So, first touchdown scored, Tom Brady rushing TD plus 5,000. That's beautiful. And James Devlin plus 3,800. Also beautiful. I can gar- I also like both of those to just score a touchdown in general. And that, uh, let's see, it's obviously not quite as high, but James Devlin to score plus 600. I don't like that nearly as much as Tom Brady rushing TD is plus 800. I like those. I, well, because you can clearly see it happen. I, and you have to be able to convince yourself in situations like that. Like, here's a path to how this occurs. And for, it's clearly easy, right? You get to the one-yard line and Brady sneaks the ball in. Especially because with Tlaib, Peters, Roby Coleman, you know, they are they are good coverage players. They they know they need to step up. I just feel like there are PIs in the in the end zone <laughs> a plenty in this game. So I, I like those a lot. Uh, I'm not going to be as long winded as you on these. James Sorry. White over 45 and a half receiving yards minus 115. This will be minus 175 by the time the <laughs> game me, play. Let me go grab uh, Rocket Mortgage app. <laughs> Honey, uh, honey? <laughs> the and then here's one I also like for some of the reasons we talked about. Uh, I like Josh Reynolds over three and a half catches at minus one hundred five for the reasons we're discussing, which is Robert Woods and and Brandon Cooks might be taken away here. Um, I don't think he's a nearly as explosive as Sammy Watkins was on Sunday, but I do think he'll he'll he has a better than fifty five percent chance of catching four passes or more. All right. Now for the really fun props. Um, National Anthem. Um, Over one minute, 43 seconds is minus 115. What do you think? Uh, I've never actually, like, timed this out. What's the average? I have no idea. Which one are you betting on? Well, the over, of course. Yeah, you cannot bet on the under. Uh, for the national anthem, it's unpatriotic. Saying that you want it to end sooner is just go straight. Do not collect two hundred dollars 
uh, go straight to jail. Um, that you can also bet on the length of the word brave, four and a half seconds. <laughs> Under. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know who's singing it? I, 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 I saw the name. I forgot it. Oh, come on. Gladys. It's just a great name. I'm looking it up now. Just tell me. I just did. I don't know her last name. You don't. I say Gladys. You say. All right. Look it up. Okay. Okay. Just sorry. I just want to see the look on your face when you realize. How many people do you know named Gladys? Is that a popular name? It just says Gladys here. Hold on. Yeah, it just said, I mean, okay, fine. I'll look it up. Gladys Knight? Okay. Oh, yeah. All oh. right. Hey. Gladys Knight. Hey. How many people, how many singers? That, Gladys is such a. All right. Now we know that Eric has a bunch of friends named Gladys. Very popular name in Wisconsin. Didn't know who Gladys Knight was. Anyways, if Gladys Knight, if there's one person who might be able to carry Brave on for over four and a half seconds, might be Gladys Knight. Uh, do you know who's performing at Super Bowl halftime? Uh, Did you watch the game yesterday? Because they said it a thousand times. I, I try not to watch commercials. That's All like right. when I like read books. We've stuff. got a we've got a great one. We've got Maroon Five. Hey, They're the main I, act. We also have Big Boy. Oh, from Atlanta. And where the we players have, play. And we have uh, Travis Scott. So there's some really cool. Who? Exactly. So we have some really cool props here. The first one is what song will Maroon 5 open halftime with? Now, my first question is, can you name a Maroon 5 song? Maps. It's a great song. Okay. That's plus 1,200. So there you go. Let me give you the options. I want you to tell me if you've heard of this song. One More Night. Yeah. How does it go? Has <laughs> not heard of that song. Makes, have, me, makes me wonder. Yeah, I've, I've heard that song. Okay, I have not. Animals. Oh, yeah. You are. Animal. This is embarrassing. <laughs> don't want to know. I, I actually don't want to know. Okay, I've never heard of that song either. Here's one I have heard of. Girls Like You. Mm-hmm. That's a great song. They should they should definitely they should have Cardi B join in. Moves like Jagger. Mm-hmm. That's plus seven hundred. By the way, the ones that I mentioned that we'd never heard of are the favorites. So that says a lot about us. I mean, they're probably new, right? Sugar is plus seven hundred. You ever heard of that one? Mm-hmm. Payphone plus twelve hundred. <laughs> I've heard that one. Yeah, Mike Jack plus fifteen hundred, and an- any other song is plus four hundred. I'm going to go with Girls Like You. Okay. Because I think it's a great song. They could potentially bring Cardi B out. Uh, and it's topical. Um, topical and tropical. Will Adam Levine wear a leather jacket? Uh, if, he's, if he knows what's good for him. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes is minus 200. Oof, okay. Brutal. Apparently he wears a lot of leather jackets. I'm going to go no. It's going to be indoors. So why would you not? Why well, would you? Wear be, but on the jacket? on the spectrum of jackets, leather is it penetrates the indoor part of the x axis. Talking puffy, puffy is like puffy jacket. It's not normal jacket. Yeah, okay. Leather jackets. Will Big Boy wear a Falcons logo on stage? Big Boy um, from Atlanta. I, he has to. He has to be impartial, though, right? I don't know. Yes is plus 400. No, minus 700. Okay. Um, will Kylie Jenner appear on stage? Yes, plus 1,200. No, minus 2,500. Well, so you have to go no, given the odds there. Right? <laughs> Do you know why Kylie Jenner might appear on stage? I have no idea. <laughs> this is so much fun. Uh, her and Travis Scott are married, sort of, have a kid. I actually don't think they're actually married, but they have a kid. They are a couple. Uh, she will not appear on stage. There's no way that Kylie Jenner would ever be like the fourth or fifth person on stage. No chance. Zero percent chance. Um, will Travis Scott mention Colin Kaepernick? Uh, yes. 
Yes, by the way, is plus 120. Oh, so it's pretty even then. So there's got to be a chance here. Yeah, yeah. Let's go yes. <sighs> because they'll probably tell him no, and so he'll do it. He's um, like, hey, Rams, do it for cap. Will Donald Trump be mentioned during halftime? Plus 130 is yes. No, no. minus 160. No. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, and then my favorite one, will any performer fall down? Goff, you mean? <laughs> By the way, yes is plus 400. I think the guard backs up and, and yes. so who steps these on people Goff's are falling foot as down? he's trying to hand the ball off and then he falls over. I mean, Gladys Knight ain't falling down. Travis Scott is like a able-bodied human being, as is Adam Christ. Levine, as is Big Boy. So who's falling down? Any performer. Well, I guess a that guy named be, Big Boy could be tipped over, I think. So I guess this could be maybe a backup dancer. I need some clarification here because I can't see how someone's falling You're down. So they rehearsed this, this like right five now. times. All right. That is going to do it. Um, we're going to try and do another pod. Not sure when it will be because you're heading out of town. Um, but at the very latest, we will have a pod early next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So be fun. Uh, enjoy yourselves. If you want to hit Eric up, he's still got a few days. Uh, answering Twitter questions via DM. So, uh, PFF underscore Eric. Head to profballfocus.com for all the Super Bowl content and draft content. It's also draft season. See you guys later. Peace out.